Well, welcome back. Welcome in. Let us begin. I am Mike Casaza, welcoming in Chris Anderson here, Saturday evening, West Virginia. I'll spare you the puns, but something happened and you know where I'm going. Had a chance, squandered it, loses 34-27. Chris, we talked to the side here before we started. This is the lowest moment for the Brown tenure since the last Texas Tech game, for sure. We really only lost once before that Oklahoma State and then once last year to Oklahoma State. So is it beyond that, though? Is this the lowest moment for Brown yet? Because I kind of feel like they were scaling to a level they wanted to be at, and they really slipped tonight. I think it is. I think I think it's the lowest point since Brown arrived. Um, and... You know, Texas Tech, it's not like I, we were all like, hey, West Virginia is going to win by 20. Uh, we've been talking about it all week. We talked about it on this podcast. I said last time, I don't know if West Virginia is going to win by 20, Tech's going to win by 20, or it's going to come down the last second. I, it, it had no feel for this game at all. And a lot of that was what Texas Tech was doing. Who knew? Like, their defense was terrible. Their offense is supposed to be good. And then it kind of started looking good. And then it didn't. And then they make changes. And so who knows? And then Texas Tech, not only do they have all those the issues they have and the changes they have, then it comes up to game time and they're missing even more players. Yeah. Right before game time. I mean, West Virginia basically went to Lubbock today and played the eighth best team in the league's B squad and lost. That's low. Yeah. That's that's a low point. A backup quarterback started with minimal weapons and then lost more along the way. That's mm-hmm. not great. And and again, like this is the one thing too. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna go somewhere and if you're gonna lose a game 34-27, make him do something. And this felt to me, I'm watching Texas Tech and I thought their offense lacked imagination and just Let's not let my backup screw it up here. Hey, maybe West Virginia will screw it up, as they are wont to do. And, oh, my goodness, not only did it happen, but who it happened to, when it happened, how it happened, is just the perfect storm of, oh, crap, for that player, that side of the ball, the morale, everything like that. Uh, It's not why they lost the game. It's why they didn't win. Um, And it's hard to put this on Sam James, and it's hard to talk bad about him because he's going through something right now, obviously. And it weighs on him, you can tell, but there is a 100% chance that the player who the head coach says has the case of the drops is targeted by the other team whenever he gets the ball. Um, because if you catch it, that is literally half the battle. And I'm not saying that they made some determined, concerted effort to rip the ball out of his hands there. And that's a football play. The guy runs by and makes a play, but... You're going to do that if you see James. And I thought I did that a couple times today with, I mean, pretty much anybody, but that's probably the book on them right now. If it's not the book on James before, it certainly is now. I don't know what you do with him at this point. He just doesn't look like he's he's right right now, and that's not going to help him. I don't know what you do with a lot of the wide receivers right nope. now, Mike, to be honest. I, I mean, nope. I, I tried to just flat out ask Dale Brown because I think, you know, again, I don't know how accurate. And everybody's going to gauge this differently. The staff's going to gauge it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pro Football Focus is going to gauge it differently. NFL scouts will do it differently. But ESPN, before at the game, had 
West Virginia credited with 16 drops coming into the game, which was third worst in the country already, and then had seven more tonight alone. Um, I think it's safe to say we can swap West Virginia out from the number one in total defense and swap them into the number one spot for passes dropped after this week. And this week, it it was a lot of people. I, I mean, I, I think I counted – Wright had a drop. James had a couple a drop. Sean Ryan had a drop. Bryce Ford Wheaton had a drop. Ollie Jennings had a drop. Reese Smith had a drop. So that's that's at least six. I think had had at least one a piece. So this is not a you know this is not a Sam James problem. Not at least not anymore. This is a wide receivers as a whole problem. And he's he was true to his word this time around specifically about you know giving other guys a chance and letting guys, the backup wide receivers get in there, that if guys aren't going to produce that he's going to try other people. Cause there, there was a lot more rotation at receiver today than I feel like there has been in weeks past. I mean, we had an Isaiah Esdale sighting today. Uh, Sam Brown caught a, caught a pass. Um, but I, I just don't know what the answer is. Cause you're already going into your well into your second string into your third string and you still haven't found answers yet. Sam Brown, was the target on the Hail Mary at the end of the game. Curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam James played the slot just about the whole game. He either started in the slot or he motioned from outside in most of the game, it seemed to me. It seemed like a lot of Sean Ryan and certainly a lot of Bryce Ford Wheaton out there. Let's we'll, we'll get into all this stuff here. One thing on the drops, I'm curious about this. Pro football focus has him at 10 before in, coming in today. I'm wondering if, if ESPN has the same math. 10 plus the six during the game made 16 seven for the night makes 17 total. It's not 23. Be curious there. That's, a, that's how I interpreted that as the game went along. I'm uh, also okay. watching this team play all year and I can't believe they'd only dropped 10 passes in the first four yeah. games either. So yeah, that's I'm not sure about that. Um, I think pro football focus is uh they might have a, a former wide receiver grade in those right there. Mm-hmm. Not a quarterback for sure. No, I don't know where to begin on this, but I, I guess this is the obvious thing to me is that, one, this is not the year. I think a lot of people put stock into, hey, sweep the four-game season, set yourself up for Texas, TCU, Oklahoma, Iowa State, see what happens. If you're good enough to win those four games, you're good enough to give yourself a chance to, to make some noise in those final four. Can't say that now. Don't think there's any dispute. I also think we probably need to stop trying so hard. And I will convict myself of this, too. Um I don't know what my enamoration is with Bryce Ford Wheaton, but I see a guy who has a lot of talent and I think is level enough that you're not worried about him long term as far as like slumping, falling apart. And I see a guy who plays as poorly as he did in multiple facets against Baylor and then much better against Kansas. And I think that's a step forward. And then I see what happened today and I wonder like, Maybe I'm just trying too hard. And I think you can see this with some other things like, hey, the running game is so good. Very average today. Um, hey, the number one defense in the country. It's good. It's not the best defense in the country. I think oh, there's, there's a want to have these things in your hands, to make these things happen, to see good things happen to people who you know, do and say all the right things and have worked hard and have really committed themselves to this process. But the other side doesn't care. It's, it's like you can want to do it. The other side doesn't want you to do it. And they're better than you or they make fewer mistakes, or they're having a better day. It doesn't matter. That's something I'm coming away with here, too. And I, I bring this up watching the game tonight with a friend. Um, 
I just say something about Wheaton and he's making these mistakes again. And I say, but the guy is always open. It's almost irrefutable. He's always open. Sometimes the ball goes past him. Sometimes he drops it. And sometimes he makes a goofy play, but he's always open. And I'm trying to make this point that this is a good player. And my friend says, of course he's open. Why would you cover him? Why would you scheme to stop Bryce Ford Wheaton? And I think I'm guilty of that myself. And I think there's a lot of things like that where let's slow down. It's still early. It's and this is me saying this, okay? And this is me anti-year zero guy, but uh, it, just the pieces, the the maturation, especially, I, I don't know, toughness, fortitude, focus, determination, whatever you want to call it, not quite there. And, and today's a pretty good encapsulation of that. Yeah, the Bryce Ford Wheaton thing. I mean, my three key matchups. I had him again. I think it's like the third mm-hmm. time in five games I've had him as a key matchup, and uh, it was it, it was um, reassuring, I guess, kind of to see the game plan specifically going right to the points that I was talking about in that saying that attack Texas tech deep left. They are terrible there and they were terrible there. And price Ford Wheaton was open. And I specifically said, you know, Daggy to Ford Wheaton in that area. And he was open. Like you said, he was open and he's open again. He's open again. And a couple of those times, um, Daggy sailed the ball on him or or threw a bad pass or threw it a little bit late. Um, I would like to see, some effort from Bryce Ford Wheaton on some of these passes, yeah. uh, just a little bit, but five targets, I think zero catches, four targets, five targets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was a spot that was open. That was a spot that all the advanced statistics showed that, that Texas tech was weekend. And that was where um, Bryce Ford Wheaton was going to be. And it, it was there. It was right there, especially early. And it just didn't happen. Was he targeted on the fourth and five in the first first quarter or second quarter? Um, I don't know if that was him or not. It's a huge play in the game because it's there, and I'm not sure it's a touchdown. No, that was Winston Wright, I think. That was another corner, another corner one out to the deep left, and yeah. I think that was the one to right on fourth down. Yeah, and it's there. Yeah. yeah. Fourth and four and the 38. I'm not sure it's a touchdown, but it's it's going to go places. You're going to have first down. You're going to be moving there too. Yeah, there um, it is Winston right. Yeah. So and again, that's that's a big play. It doesn't. It's it's so big that I can't remember the sequence and who it was or whatever. But I remember thinking in my head, man, that's that's points in the board. And then the next thing you know, um, Thompson's running 48 yards the other way for a touchdown. And my eyes open on that because after the game, Neil Brown says, "Hey, we look tired. We look sluggish." Sean Mahone said the same things. Just didn't have it. And as the game went on, the, the snaps, the tempo, which we talked about, added up. I thought it was there from the very beginning. I thought they looked like they were not sharp, not aligned, not not as crisp as, as we're accustomed to. Some guys were there. I thought Tyke Smith and Josh Chandler, especially early, looked like they had some authority to what they were playing. But I think a lot of the guys up front, middle, secondary, maybe perhaps especially when Tony Fields left the game, just didn't seem like they had that, that zip, that verb they've had so often this season. I think uh, this this fits right into something you've talked about a lot. Uh, and I'll admit, I have not been as as ardent of a supporter or maybe, I guess, well, not supporter, but I haven't been as concerned as you were about the depth on the defensive line and getting those guys in and, and needing yep. to split some snaps up. But it, it was it was evident today. I mean, there, even, even there were plays where, you know, Darius Stills was making a play. And he would make the play and then stand up and just looked exhausted and which is a credit to him because he's still making a play, but maybe he didn't make the next one or maybe he's too tired a couple of plays later and he needs to have a sub in there. 
But I think it was very evident today that West Virginia needs, you know, they don't need eight or nine like everybody likes to talk about every game. But games like these, you need at least six. Thirteen players made a tackle tonight on defense. Mm-hmm. How many more people do you think played? I don't have the final box yet, but 13, which means extra reload played a lot because Tony Fields left the game. Uh, Dylan Honkery does not have a tackle. We know he played. So 16 guys, maybe. I was going to say, if we're talking strictly defensive snaps, not just defensive players, but defensive snaps, 17 max. Yeah. And again, you can do that, I think, when you go Oklahoma State, Baylor back-to-back. You have a week off before, a week off after. You got... You were fortunate that neither one of those teams played fast. Saw it tonight, second game in a row. You're not going to have that test against um, Kansas State. This isn't isn't that fast. They're, they're going to be very deliberate, but they're going to be disciplined. So, again, you may see more of that there. They may be able to get by with this for another week. Texas, I don't know. But, again, maybe maybe that adds up. And just they were probably lucky here, too, that Texas Tech slowed it down, took the air out of it. And, Again, I don't know what Texas Tech was doing. There was a point in that third quarter where it looked like that West Virginia was getting after their defense or their offense. Um, the line was making plays. The linebackers were flying around. It looked like they had a good rhythm. They were they were keyed in. They knew what to do. They could predict or react, which is a good position to be in. And then Texas Tech just said, well, we're not going to pass it anymore. <laughs> we're not going to let yeah. you pass rush us. We're not going to let you harass us. We'll, we'll read option. We'll, we'll hammer it inside with our guys. And if we have to make a throw on third down, we will. And we'll trust our punter and our defense against you, which I would have thought was the losing formula. And I'm not sure it was the winning formula, but they won. So I can't take that from them. Um, and they had good players, too. That Merriweather's fast. Rico Jeffers was, I think, probably, if not him, then Chandler. But certainly he's on the winning side, the best player on defense today on either side. And um, they they just made plays again. Not, not, not a lot of them, but just when they had to. Um, I don't know. Anything, anything stand out to you here that we should dig into? We have a, a, a pile of ideas, but I don't know if there should be some sequence or order here. Well, let me let me uh, before we get to that, let me answer your question. I, I got the uh, post game note participation report in my inbox a minute ago while you're okay. talking. I believe the answer is 16. We got the 11 starters. Uh, you know, I, I just list who's played. It doesn't say defensive or, or special teams, but I'm assuming like Kamara, Jake Abbott, Bonamico. And there was somebody else. I, I think those are all special team snaps. So the only other backups that played, X3 Low as one. That's 12. Um, Jared Bartlett, Akeem Mesador, Quay Mays, and Jalen Thornton. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I don't think Daryl Porter Jr. got out there as a corner, did he? He's on kickoff. I, and yeah. I'm not sure about. I, I, I'd be surprised if Thornton played. He's on the kickoff or on the punt shield. I know okay. that. So he so might maybe not, not him either. either. Yeah. So you're talking 15, 16 people. Even if Thornton played, he didn't play more than five or seven snaps. So, um, again, that's, that's tricky. And the tempo isn't maybe so much as fatigue. It's, it's getting lined up. And when they're they're stacking snaps on you, you know, sometimes you're, you're looking around and trying to figure things out, too. Um, end of the game, it's, it's a crazy sequence where you're starting to think, well, this may happen. Who knows? The, the defense just can't get off the field. Columbia makes a play, throws it to Price for, I think, eight yards on third and five. The third string running back moves the chains, but they, they kind of say, all right, we'll do what we have to do here. West Virginia calls two timeouts. They're content punting, 17-yard line. They get down there, but, um, boy, it would have been nice if West Virginia had another timeout on that defensive possession or even on offense because they could have slowed the clock down a little bit. The Unfortunately for Reese Smith, if he has the wherewithal, he probably does not catch that tip pass. He just swats into the turf, and you live to play 
another dime with the, with the time in your pocket, but that's that's picky armchair stuff. But um, burning that timeout <laughs> after the the turnover to start the second half, the pass to Winston Wright, it's first down at the what two or three yard line. It's quick change. You can tell Texas Tech is scrambled and they're trying to get themselves together because they just the second half just started. They're not warmed up yet. They're not ready to be out there. I think their offense is going to be out there. Next thing you know, they're on the field. They're chasing Winston Wright. It's first and goal to two. And Daigie says in the postgame that there was a miscommunication between the signal and the play, and the people on the field had the wrong play, and they wanted to make sure they didn't have a negative play, so they had to call a timeout. Did they win with the timeout? No, probably not. Um but, man, that is an emblematic of just repeated things. This happens a lot. We talk about this when we get hated on because of this. But there's always some sort of confusion. End of half, goal line, something like that, procedure stuff. They took a delay a game after a touchback today. And, and that wasn't the first time this year either. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's continuous. This happened last year, too. And I, I don't know what it means. Like, And I'm not asking you what it means here. But, like, it, it does seem to me that this this is the team that does this. And this is the team that loses a game to Texas Tech that isn't a very good team. Um, and West Virginia thought it was better and thought it could be like an organized team that, you know, played smart, collected an offense and uses defense and couldn't do it, but it just cannot get out of its way sometimes. And this was another example of that today. Penalties weren't so bad. The turnover was ultimately critical, but there weren't enough other things in there that give you the benefit of the doubt to say that those things don't matter. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I believe almost all the penalties came in the first half. Right, seven penalties, six of them in the first half. Um, so it, it, it felt like when you were watching that happen that it, it felt like it was going to be worse than it ended up being at the end. But three of those penalties on all three of the penalties on defense were 15 yard variety. Um, th- those hit different for sure. Um, and man, that. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the impact of those penalties. That's what everybody always asks me. Remember before the season when I did that thing on penalties and penalty yards and I said, hey, you know what? Actually, West Virginia wins more when they get more penalties. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, you know, they had a couple games like that earlier this year. And everybody's response was, oh, it all depends on the type of penalty and what type of penalty and 15 or five or what it is and when it is and how it affects you. Uh, 
15 yard first down on defense, 15 yard first down on defense, 15 yard first down on defense that gets Tony Fields ejected. Um, I would say all three of those are impactful, um, to say the least. Um, I think at least two of those ended up in touchdowns for Texas Tech. I'll double check that in a second. But then on the other side of the ball, that uh, holding penalty on John Hughes, that negates That's the touchdown. Big. That negates the mm-hmm. touchdown. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, man, it is a lot of a lot of stuff. A couple of them were silly false starts, I think, in a delay of game they purposely took. Uh, but cool. Or a false start they purposely took. Just bad. Uh- do you think they took the false starts so they wouldn't decline the delay game in the punt? You think it was on purpose? I think that's a smart play if it was. I'm not sure if that's why, but he said he, Brown said after the game that they purposely took one of those for, he, for the he punt. He said he purposely took a delay a game. It wasn't. It was a false start. Right. Special teams. Well, again, I'm not going to say that they actually pulled it off. I'm not going to say that they were that clever about it because I saw a fourth down play with the punter 15 yards behind the quarterback <laughs> and the running back. And, and Texas Tech, of all teams, called timeout. I've never seen that before. I don't think that was a gadget. I don't think that was a way to make Texas Tech freak out because, uh, listen, call their bluff. There, there's no way you're running a play with the punter back there and not being able to block or run around or whatever. You're not snapping it to the punter. And if it is, fine. Let Daigie and, and Brown be your, be your bullets or, you know, excuse me, your blockers in front of the punt. Uh, I, I just – I don't know if that was a mistake or I called it the punter pistol <laughs> on our board. But I've never seen that before, and that might have been a thing. Like, let's give them a weird look, and they'll call time out to think there's something tricky going on, maybe. But that was so late in the first half. Like, that wasn't a situation, I think, that you pull a trick play out. And, again, you look at these things, and you say, man, that's a weird thing. If you put them all together, you have a mosaic. And, again, the Tony Fields ejection, important. Don't get me wrong. Right, wrong call? I don't know, man. Brown, you'll, you read about this. It's, it's a hard thing. I agree with him on that. It's got to be hard for players, too. But there's a new rule this year, too, where you get disqualified. You don't have to leave the field and go to the locker room. So West Virginia thinks it recovers its first fumble of the season. It's not a fumble, but it looks like it on the field. Tyke Smith, I think, grabs it. And Tony Fields comes out and celebrates, which, I don't know, it's not that bad of a deal, but it's a penalty. And again, small thing, but man, this team does this stuff. It all adds up. It kind of gives you a picture of who and what they are. And right now, man, they're just kind of sloppy and undisciplined and really loose where they have a lot of potential if they are disciplined, if they're not sloppy, if they tuck themselves in and they play tight, and they just can't seem to do that enough. When they do, they're good. They're capable of solid stretches. Just they can't put that together nearly consistently enough. And and to confirm, uh, the three defensive penalties, two of them gave them a, a 15 yards and a first down, and both of the, both of those drives resulted in touchdowns for Texas Tech. The third yep. was obviously the one that got Tony Fields kicked out of the game, and then the holding penalty that negated a touchdown that they ended up settling for a field goal. So, uh, yeah, and seven is less than their usual eleven or twelve, but they were some they were some biggins, Mike, some biggins. What I hear is really big, man. It's it's a third and five play. The pass is coming to your side. You know it's quick. It's a three-man rush. Like, you should be able to hold up on that, and you just can't. And I don't know if he played poorly, but, like, that sticks out. Like, man, that was that's the one thing I know John Hughes did tonight. And I don't know if he was good or bad the rest of the day. You know, PFF could say he was great or terrible. I don't know. I'll agree. He didn't stand out either way, but I know that happened. And I know that cost him four points, too. Um, that, just that. So you see these things, and, like, you watch the end of that first half, and you're like, what are they doing? Do they think they're good enough to get a touchdown? All right, well, fourth and one, let's go for it. You know, let's go. Let's get some points. And they, they kill 20 seconds because they're in the standoff of Texas Tech, I guess. And Texas Tech says, all right, you want to take a timeout? We'll run the clock. That way you're not going to get up to anything if you go for it on fourth and one. 
they go for it. That's after the punter pistol. And now you're moving, but like you lost 20 seconds. You don't have enough timeouts. Third and four, you throw it to Letty Brown. He steps out of bounds a yard shy of the first down marker. So now you're forced into another fourth down. Um, they pulled three points out of it. That's great. Um, it could have won in the game for sure. Those three points could have been really important. But if they have another 20 seconds, I don't know. Maybe they have a chance to throw one or two in the end zone. I don't know. It just again, these things are small, and you say, ah, come on, it's not a big deal. Other things happen. But so many of them happen that one, it's again, it's indicative of, of who and what they are. And they seem to happen in clusters that, as you just enumerated with the penalties, as I'm talking about here, they add up. This team has a lot of uh, a lot of work to do in the margins to minimize the distance between them and other teams that are coming up and to maximize those stretches that they can be good. They have to make it happen more. They can't get in their own way. They can't force themselves to step back or when they're moving forward. Mike, uh, what minute are we in on this podcast? I'd like to mark it. Uh, uh, I know we're 20, going. 25 minutes in? No, I don't know if you, I don't know if you do know where right we are. Now. All right, 23 okay. minutes in. Maybe we should have led with this, or maybe this is a good way to uh, kind of send us towards um, the finish line. Because I think here we are, 23, 24 minutes into this podcast after this game. And and to me, because I'm asking it, of course, it's the most important question. And I'd like you to answer it for me. Can you name me one thing that this team is doing better today than it did a month ago? That's a really good question. Um, I think their pass rush is better. But... And I even think, again, I thought there was moments tonight where I was there, and I thought Texas Tech did a good job getting rid of it, or at least unplugging it, a lot of fakes, RPO, and play action. I would say that. Um, Tacken took a step back tonight. Coverage has been pretty steady all year. Special teams, no. Running the ball, no. Deep passing, no. Run blocking, no. Pass blocking, no. So, yeah, my my, my answer, and it's the only one I could think of, so it's probably not a good candidate, would be their their pass rush. But you're, I get your point, yeah. not Not good enough. No, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about as the season goes along, especially when you have such an awkward and kind of shortened offseason, you're expecting progress. You're expecting players to get better, units to get better, teams to get better, uh, things, schemes uh, to get better as it's going on. And, you know, just sitting there thinking about it, and I'm thinking about this team that, that's played this game, and then they, the same team that played at Oklahoma State, the only two times they've been on the road, and I'm trying to think, was is this the same team that I saw at Oklahoma State? Is it any better? Is it any worse? I think, I think it's the same team. The opponent was just easier, and it was still the same result. Yeah, 27 points isn't going to do it. I mean, it's it just not. That's that's one reason that they lost tonight. Is that again, you know, the field goals, the end of the first half, whatever. But like, you know, ending another drive with a field goal. Is a bummer. You got to get that in the end zone, and you had it in the end zone too. Um, their red zone stuff is good, and when you pull one out of the red zone, gives a penalty that hurts. Um, and what, what what stings here today is that Iowa State loses to Oklahoma State, Kansas State rolls. There's two unbeaten teams left in Big 12 play. You get one of them at home next week, and if you if you punch your way out of Lubbock tonight, and you know you earn the decision or you earn the the split decision, heck, maybe you knock them out. Who knows? You feel like you got a chance next week to remove one more unbeaten team, and then it's you. One game behind Oklahoma State, you've already played. They got a tiebreaker over you anyways, but you're in a good position because 
Texas has two losses, and Oklahoma has two losses. You're in a good spot, but you squandered today, and now you got two losses, and you got to play darn near perfect and hope you get some help. And that seems to me like it's irrelevant now because, again, if you can't win this one, you're probably not in the position to be um, thinking about those things, talking about those things. It's a wild season. Who knows? But that's that's the stinger here. Maybe it wasn't realistic, but now that is the reality, is that it's not realistic. You can't do it, too. Um, some other reality checks here. We mentioned Sam James. Don't know what you do. Um, again, I think his playing time has, has slipped already. That's pretty noticeable. I don't know if he played a different position today because there was no TJ Simmons. I don't know if that was just some matchup they saw, but something's going on where they're trying to get him right or use him in a different way. Um, I might have to revisit the Alex Infield conversation. The yes. ball doesn't move forward enough when he's in there. Right now, and they're not using him in the past game. Uh, there was some clever stuff tonight, though, with two backs. And one of the backs was Winston Wright. And he'd either line up in the backfield or he'd motion into the backfield. And you had him and Sinkfield together. But it was only like swing passes, like moving screens that were okay, effective, but nothing really involving Sinkfield here. And I guess my question here now is how much do you give Winston Wright? He seems like he's the explosive, capable player. Did have a big drop tonight. An important job, I should say. Um, but great game again. And this is the guy that we've been talking about. Vertical stuff, short, quick stuff, elusive stuff. They obviously found a way to gimmick him into the game plan with this two-back stuff. Um, moving forward, that's something you can take out of today. There's something there that you can make this offense a little bit more dynamic if you figure it out. Yeah, I, I there's still... There still needs to be some shuffling, I think, at, at the receiver. Like you mentioned, Winston Wright... You run up and down that line of, of guys, eight guys or so, however many receivers you want to talk about. You got right as, as a big positive, I think, right now. And then I'm not sure what else. You know, some of the guys that have shown glimpses took a step back today. You know, I, I was bullish on Reese Smith, and he had a couple nice catches um, today, but he also had a drop. Uh, Sean Ryan was maybe That's a little a better. That's a tough than, one for Reese Smith, though. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough It was up the middle, but – it's it's uh in his hands. It's good. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you fix the receiver problem. I think is what I'm getting at here because even the guys that I'm okay on, I'm feeling decent about. Like I said, I, I was I'm bullish on Smith still, still true freshman, still making an impact. And Winston Wright, it, you know, they kind of both play inside. I, I know they play different spots, but I'm not sure you have. An, if the receivers are going to keep playing like this, I don't think you can go four wide. You can't. I think you, there needs to be more. I don't want to go so far as 12 technique, but at least some 11 something, because it, it, the four wide is tough right now. Well, and we can wrap it up with this too. Well, actually, segue, but one more. If you add the completions or even half of the completions that were drops, Daggy's numbers are better too. Uh, Daggy did have some shaky moments where you know, he he threw those those corner routes corner routes fairly nicely a couple times, but he missed a couple too. Um, put balls in spots that were dropped. Um, I don't think he was the problem tonight. I think this was probably as well as he's played in a while. Understanding that it wasn't it wasn't great, but you're talking a guy who who put up a good percentage and a number of yards. Um, I think he got himself out of trouble sometimes. I don't know how the RPO is going to check out. There seemed to be sometimes, obviously, that if he had kept it, he would have had a lot of space. But we don't know if he, if he's just supposed to hand it off and carry out the fake, if he's not supposed to be running it. I just don't know that stuff. I think the RPO is less of him running and more of him keeping it and throwing it. But, man, to keep it, he's got that corner sometimes, too. But I don't think those are his instructions. But um, I don't know. From your perspective here, 
better tonight? How much better? Or is he just kind of still stuck in the same semi-neutral position? I thought he was much better. And not to start, because it's start at the beginning. He, you know, he sailed a couple passes. Uh, not that first drop, um, which I'll circle back on in a second. But he had a couple of those corner routes that we keep talking about. And he overthrew them. And he missed a couple guys that were open. And so I think... You know, maybe the first three drives, I was I wasn't uh, pulling the Garrett Green lever that that the people like to pull on the message board, <laughs> but I was like, man, is is this it? Is this you know this is just what West Virginia has is, is a kind of mediocre quarterback. And then the rest of the game, I thought he played well. I thought he played very well, and, and it was just drops everywhere. And they're better. I, they're better with eleven personnel. Go right. ahead, my bad. No, I was just going to say is that before the game, I, I said it's going to be the battle of the scripts. And yeah. uh, Texas Tech ran their script, moved right down the field with Columbia running around, scored with ease. West Virginia got a couple plays, and then Sean Ryan dropped what could have been, I don't know. I, mean, I didn't see where the deep safety was, but he had his man behind him and oh, a step behind him, and he was on the slant. He at least had a first down probably at least had 20 yards, maybe a touchdown. And, and that was kind of a very fitting way to kind of preview the rest of the game. Yeah. Let's have that play looks in practice. You catch it, you run, and they, they blow a whistle because you're by everybody. Um, like, hey, you proved your point. It's 80-yard touchdown. Get back here. And, yeah. and it, it would have been a big play for sure. But again, trendsetters and a small thing that you put them all together, and all of a sudden you got a big picture. So we have Daigie better, Winston Wright pretty good. I think they're better in 11 personnel than they are in empty sets and four wide. Uh, 12 personnel? Interesting. They're okay with that in the goal line, but I don't. I, they don't really have a third tight end. But Lachlan was involved tonight. He ran routes. He was in the slot a bunch. He was a bigger part of the game plan. Maybe not the actual execution there uh, for the stats. So I think he had two catches, including a big one we'll get to. But that may be an evolution. Again, it may be something because they don't have Simmons. And they don't have that bigger body to play that slot that, that Brown likes. Maybe that was Michael Lachlan's day today. But at the minimum, it worked. You can do some stuff with him. And he's a good blocker out there, too. He had some nice blocks where he was isolated in the slot, too. So yeah, there's some things you can do that. Daigie looked better. Wright's kind of dynamic. Lachlan looks like he's coming into his zone a little bit. Threw a touchdown to TJ Banks. Red zone, still good. Letty Brown had his moments there, too. And you can probably peel away some layers that you don't think are as good right now. So there's there's a lot to work with here, I guess. That's the, that's the silver lining. And I want to tip my cap. Neil Brown. A year ago, the flea flicker from like the 21 yard line against Texas Tech. Um, I was opinionated about that. And then he blew me up on a press conference a couple days later because a similar thing happened in Texas against Kansas State to work for Texas. They ran the flea flicker today, a variation in the right spot in between the 40s, almost scored. Um, they do score on that drive, but Battle of the script. They built a trick play in, jumpstart the offense, um, and make me remember one of the uh, <laughs> one of the poorer moments for me in a podcast. I guess too. it is wasn't a great worst, idea last year. Is that the worst part about these Zoom calls? Is that we just don't get the the weekly Neil Brown dunking on you part of things? Uh, the worst, I think, is the best. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that was it. Uh, like hand it off, flip it to the receiver. Flip it to the quarterback, everybody's spinning around, and I guarantee what happens when you see that ball go back to the quarterback, 
you're looking for receivers, middle, outside. Someone's going deep middle. Someone's going outside. You're not looking for Michael Lachlan, and it worked perfect. It was the the bait, the trap that was set. It worked. Um, and again, hey, man, he, he might have had something today you can build on, too. So it'd be curious to see what they take from today that they make part of a different look going forward. Because, you know, at this point right now, there, there's some things, there's some people perhaps where, you know, listen, not not right now. You had your chance. We, we had a setback. We stumbled. You were part of that. We got to do something punitive. We got to do something progressive. Step to the side, step back. We're going to put someone else here. We're going to try something different. And I think they have enough options that are that are there, but probably still have enough things that they, they were doing that are good enough that they can keep, polish, improve, and, and you know, call, I guess, and, and hope for better results next time. Well, uh, what? Kansas State next week. Any immediate thoughts? Or you want to save that? You want to save that for the for the mailbag? Let's let everybody get their questions in. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, don't punt it to number eighty-eight. Yes, don't do that. God. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Um, so yeah, if they do that next week, we'll have a ha- we might have the emergency pot at halftime if they do that against Kansas State. I was I didn't want to text you and, and see if you wanted to do it. I was going to let you uh, initiate um, the the halftime emergency pod. So I, I thought you might. I was looking it for was- a text. It was it was a curious situation that they got three points out of, but like just the standoff between him and Matt Wells and and if you're gonna go go save yourself the time and go and if you're gonna turn over turn over like you gotta live with that decision and they were caught in between what they did and did not want to happen and they got three points out of it that's fine but they could have had 20 25 more seconds and maybe thrown the ball in the end and got a touchdown who knows not a big deal but again put these small things together and they give you the personality of the team they give you the characteristics and and sometimes and again. When a team is trying to tell you who they are, let them. That's kind of what's happening right now. And you know who, uh, you know which team is always good at just sitting back and letting you beat yourself? Kansas State. Kansas State. Yep. Could be a rough couple weeks. Well, we will be back in the morning. Chris has the power rankings and. well, I have the three things, I think. Yeah, the player grades, snap count. A typical Sunday. Um, just this time for the first time in a couple of weeks, not a win uh, to be discussing. It'll be a loss instead. Wrapping up 34-27, game-winning touchdown on defense, not on offense for the Red Raiders. A fumble return, 56 yards by Zach McPherson. Wrote about him in the, in the uh, fresh set. Gets his hands on the ball. Special teams defense. He makes a play today, wins the game. Um Three and two, two and two overall. Not a lot of time here. Three more in a row before you got a break again. Kansas State, Texas, TCU. It's a handful. It will be, and um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what else to add. I think Kansas State probably is about the worst possible team that you want to play right now. So it, it's going to be a long week, and I think it. I'm very curious to see what Neil Brown has to say both Tuesday and Thursday before the game uh, because of a lot of the comments he made today. I don't want to keep dragging this podcast on, but, you know, he kept talking about how essentially what we all saw in the game today was not what he was seeing in practice all week long. He talked about the drops. You know, it was like their best week for catch percentage. I'm assuming they track, you know, they track everything. So I'm assuming they're tracking how many drops there are throughout the week. He said this was the best week not just this year, since he got to West Virginia, and that this team is catching more than any time he's ever coached a team before. So I'm curious his thoughts and how he might adjust what he's seeing as the week goes on. 
But we'll find out Tuesday. Until then, we have a lot to do. Big 12 call on Monday is the first chance to get him. And then uh, just you and me tomorrow giving our opinions of what happened. Postgame wasn't great tonight, as you might imagine. So uh, be prepared for the uh, the resident experts to <laughs> write up their prescriptions for what ails the team. But that'll have to wait until next time. Until then, I am Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.